Welcome back to the Corey Lee Show. Hey, y'all, I'm excited about today's podcast. In today's podcast, I'm actually going to take you through one of the chapters in a book we've been going through in one of our mastermind groups called Think and Grow Rich. And so we're going to look at one of those chapters. We've been going through this study for, and I guess this is probably week eight or nine, and we've really been diving in deep to discuss the principles. For those that don't know uh, much about the book Think and Grow Rich, it was written in the 1930s by a gentleman named Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill, he spent 20 years and he studied the lives of 25,000 people. 500 of those were the wealthiest, most successful people in the world at that time. And you're thinking about people like Henry Ford, Andrew Carnegie, Rockefeller, the Wright brothers. Um, What he found was by studying them up close and personal that uh, he said that there were 13 principles that separated the 500 from everyone else. And he wrote the book called Think and Grow Rich, which is based on these 13 principles. And so today, as you listen into the podcast, we're looking, we're, we're listening into one of those uh, principles called organized planning. So, hey, hope you enjoy. Here we go. So for those, uh, as you're listening in, I have found that the majority of people, not all, but I would say the majority of people fall into one of two camps. They are either more visionary in their thinking or they're much more strategic in their thinking. And as you think about that, like which which camp do you fall into? And if you're like me, hey, I'm a visionary. And so as you think about the title of this book or the title of this chapter that we're going to look at, Organized Planning, you're probably like, Boo, boring. Where's all the fun stuff? Well, (laughs) well, I want you to know that organized planning and planning, that's what makes or breaks the fun stuff and makes it a reality. I love what Dwight Eisenhower said. He said, you know, in planning for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but the planning is indispensable. That's an interesting, interesting statement. And we're going to dive into that a little bit. You know, around January every year, Many people across the globe, they set what we call New Year's resolutions. And uh, some people talk about losing weight. They talk about becoming more fit. Maybe some set financial goals or family goals. Some set their aspirations to launching their new business or to be intentional about their growth within their own company. And uh, according to research, the most popular New Year's resolutions are health-related followed by saving money, and to quit smoking. How about that? Here's what they found is 23% of people quit within the first week. (laughs) And only 36% make it past the first month. That means at the end of the first month, already 64% of people have already quit. They found that 9% actually keep their New Year's resolution. Out of all the people, only 9% keep their New Year's resolution. Here's the funny one though, 43%, they already expect to have their goals. uh, They already expect to give up on their goals by February. I just want you to know that if you're going into a goal and you already plan to quit that goal within a month, uh, you know, it's probably not going to work out. There's probably a reason that's not going to work out for you in your life. And so as we look at that, I think one of the primary reasons that people fail is they are far more committed to the plan that they set than the goal they envision. We get too attached to the plan that we set out 
than the goal we actually set for ourselves. I want you to think about it, right? Like when we dream about a goal, that's fun. That's the fun stuff. You, you get into the clouds and you're dreaming up stuff. But then we, when we actually have to sit down and think about how do I make that a reality? How do I, we take the thought, we take it into the imagination like we've talked about, which is the workshop of the mind where an idea comes in and we start to give it shape. That takes a little bit of work. And then putting it into action, that takes work. It takes preparation. It takes trying some things. It's, you know, it's what happens. Um, and what happens is we get attached to the work instead of the outcome we are really looking for. And I want to give you an example of this, of how this plays out. Let, let's say, let's say you are a realtor and your goal is you want to sell $20 million in houses this year. Like that's your goal. This year, my goal is I want to sell 20 million in real estate this year. And let's say it gets to about June or July, you're halfway through the year and you're not even a quarter of the way to where you need to be. You're not even a quarter of the way there. What most people do is they say, well, they'll take their goal and they'll look at their plan and they'll say, well, it's obvious that I'm nowhere close to getting to my, my goal. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shrink my goal to match the plan that I'm on. And what I'm suggesting to you is if this is truly your goal, don't shrink the goal to match the plan. Change the flipping plan. <laughs> the plan isn't working. Take that plan and chunk it out the window. Find you a new plan. If that plan doesn't work, take it and chunk it out the window. Persist without exception in finding a plan that will take you to the goal. Don't shrink the goal to match the plan your own. Change the plan. In the book, he says it like this. Temporary defeat should only mean one thing. The certain knowledge that there is something wrong with your plan. A quitter never wins and a winner never quits. And so as you're listening to this podcast, I want to take you actually through about three different assessments here. And this is if you're in a space to actually write and take notes or, or really capture your thoughts on this, I truly want you to look at this and I want you to look at yourself directly in the eye and to the best of your ability to answer these honestly. Now, whenever I do leadership training with companies and we do awareness type things, one of the things I always say, anytime we do awareness things, things that bring awareness, especially awareness to areas of weakness or blind spot, blind spots, we do not play the shame game, the judgment game or the blame game. We play the awareness game. It's, see, it's only once I become aware of something that I actually can do something about it. It was a blind spot. Now I'm aware of it. Now I can do something about it. So here's the first assessment, and it's around being a leader worth following. So first off, know that there are two people in this world. There are two kinds of people in this world. You got leaders and you have followers. And I just want you to know that there is no shame in being a follower. That's all right. But if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you are a leader. And this world is in need of leaders who stand on truth and justice, who have clean hands and a pure heart, who, who desire to do big things in the world and to develop big people in this world. Here's what I want you to know, that the best leaders are once and for a time a follower. They become great leaders because they added value as a great follower. Here's how Bishop Fulton J. Sheen said it. He said, I thought something very powerful related to this. He said, civilization is always in trouble when those who have never learned to obey are given the right to command. Man, come on. How about that? So here's 11 major attributes 
of being a leader. And as I go through these, I want you to rate yourself on a scale of one to five. Five being, hey, you know what? I'm awesome at this. Like, this is my thing. This is my jam. And one is, you know what? I'm poor at this at this time. Up until now, I've been poor at this. But you know what? Awareness brings light to something that I can grow into. So as I go through these, simply rate yourself. All right, here we go. Number one, unwavering courage. These are major attributes of being a great leader. Unwavering courage is based on knowledge of self and one's occupation. No follower wishes to be dominated by a leader who lacks self-confidence and courage. Here's what I found. Uh, as I get the opportunity to work with leaders all over the country and the world, um, is that at, when the leader lacks confidence, the people lack commitment. And that's what he's saying right here is unwavering courage. Courage does not mean you don't have fear. We've talked about that in one of our previous episodes. Courage does not mean you have the absence of the emotion of fear. It's just doing it anyway. So here we go. Number two, self-control. People who cannot control themselves can never control others. Self-control sets a mighty example for one's followers, which the more intelligent would emulate. You, my friend, are the hardest person you will ever lead. I am the hardest person I will ever lead. It's easy for me to get on a podcast. It's easy for me to stand up in front of a group of people and should all over you. You should do this and you should do that and not should on myself to actually follow through on what I say I should be doing. We have this tendency to judge other people based off of what they did, and we judge ourselves based off of our intentions. I intended to do this. A leader, they are disciplined. Discipline is the ability to give yourself a command and follow through on that command. Here we go. Number three, having a keen sense of justice. Without a sense of fairness and justice, no leader can command and retain the respect of his or her followers. How about that? Number four, definite of decision. People who waver in decisions show that they are not sure of themselves. They cannot lead others successfully. I don't know how many, if you've been listening to the podcast before, you know I've talked about this many times, that successful leaders, they got a habit around decisions. They make their decisions quickly, and they change their minds slowly. Unsuccessful leaders, they make their decisions slowly, if ever, and then they change their minds quickly. They waver in their decisions. Number five, definite of plans. The successful leader must plan the work and work the plan. A leader who moves by guesswork without practical, definite plans is comparable to a ship without a rudder. Sooner or later, it will land on the rocks. Here's what I want to say about plans. This whole video and our podcast is about planning. Sometimes the plan is just one step. Many people get caught up in this. Well, I got to know how. I got to know what the next five steps are. And right now, the light is only shining on the first step. And it's only once you take that first step that the next maybe one or two or three are revealed. But you got to take the first next step. And many times in our plans, that's all we have is one step. That's your plan follow through on that one step. Number six, man, this is so good right here. You got to, this is a must. To be a, a great leader, you have to have the habit of doing more than you're paid for. One of the penalties of leadership is the necessity 
of willingness upon the part of the leaders to do more than they require of their followers. Man, come on. Your people will never go beyond what you're willing to do. The people will never extend themselves. They'll never be more enthusiastic than the leader. The leader, you are the lid on your team. Your team will never surpass your ability to lead it. My team will never surpass my ability to lead them. Number seven, you got to have a pleasing personality. No slovenly, careless person can become a successful leader. Leadership calls for respect. Followers will not respect leaders who do not score highly on all factors of a pleasing personality. Here's the reality. People will not get along, go along with you if they cannot get along with you. It's just a reality. Many people say, well, I don't need anybody. I'm telling you, yes, you do. You got to have people and people have to like you, right? And there's so much more I want to say about that. But, you know, we got to keep moving on. Here we go. Number eight, sympathy and understanding. Successful leaders must be in sympathy with their followers. Moreover, they must understand them and their problems. One of the hardest parts about being a leader is you got to get close to people. The only way to lead people well is by getting close to them. That allows you to know how to lead them. Number nine, mastery of detail. Successful leadership calls for mastery of details of the leader's position. Noted inside and out. Number 10, willingness to assume full responsibility. Mm. Successful leaders must be willing to assume responsibility for the mistakes and shortcomings of their followers. If they try to shift this responsibility, they will not remain leaders. If followers make mistakes and become incompetent, you know what? It's the leaders who failed. A great book on this is Extreme Ownership. For those who have or have not read that, great book on taking full responsibility for everything in your world. Number 11, last one, cooperation. Successful leaders must understand and apply the principle of cooperative effort and be able to induce followers to do the same. Leadership calls for power and power calls for cooperation. How about that? So how did you do, right? Like you're, you're rating yourself on a scale of uh, one to five, five being you are awesome. Like everybody in the world needs to learn from you. Uh, and a one is just, you know, at this time, that's just something you need to work on. Again, we don't play the blame game, shame game. We play the awareness game. Here's the second assessment. As a leader, it's, it's just as important to know what not to do as it is to know what to do. So here are the 10 major reasons for failing as a leader. And as I, as I read these, I, again, I want you to rate yourself on a scale of one to five. Five being you're great at this. One, this is something you really need to work on, okay? Here we go. Number one, one of the major reasons that causes failure in leadership is inability to organize details. Efficient leadership calls for ability to organize and to master details. No genuine leader is ever too busy to do anything which may be required as a leader. When a leader or follower is too busy to change plans or give attention to any emergency, it is an indication of inefficiency. The successful leader must be the master of all details connected with the position. That means, of course, that the habit of delegating details to capable lieutenants must be acquired. It's a powerful thing right there. As you grow in your leadership, 
As you go up and up and up in your leadership, it's not so much about your ability to get things done. Most leaders, they are playmakers, right? We talked about being great followers for first and fourth time. It's because you can make things happen. As you grow up in your leadership, it's not so much about your ability to make things happen, but your ability to make things happen through other people. He's talking about these inability to organize details, but delegate those details. Being too busy means you got your hands on too much stuff. You got to empower. You got to delegate. Number two, unwillingness to render humble service. Truly great leaders are willing when the occasion demands to perform any sort of labor that they would ask another to perform. The greatest among ye shall be the servant of all. Come on. That's the truth that Jesus talked about. Number three, a failure, right? This is a reason for leaders to fail. The expectation of pay for what they know, uh-oh, instead of what they do with what they know. Come on, y'all. You got to do something with the knowledge that you acquired. Yeah, I'm, I am a content junkie. I listen to stuff like this. I listen to podcasts. I, I watch the videos. I, I read the books and go to courses. But as a content junkie, what you going to do with what you're learning? You got to do something with it. It pay, right? The world does not pay for what people know. It pays them for what they do or induce others to do with what they know. Number four, oh man, come on. Fear of competition from followers. Y'all, if, if you're not going to, if you're not secure enough in your ability to lead and empower other people, get out of leadership. I'm just telling you. It's only once you become secure in your ability to lead that you will begin to empower other people well, I see this as the biggest issue in leadership, insecure leaders. They have this fear that people are going to outdo them. And so in their insecurity, they do not empower other people. It's like I see Bob over there. Bob's talented or Sally. She's talented. If I begin to empower her, what if she outdoes me? And so what happens is we position ourselves to where Bob or Sally needs me. Like, I'm, gonna, I'm only going to give them just enough information to do the task. I'm only going to resource them enough, just enough to do the task. I'm going to provide them what they need to do the task. But if they want to go beyond that, they're going to need me. It's only once you become secure in your leadership that you will begin to empower people. When I'm secure in my ability to lead, I don't care if Bob and Sally goes on to outperform me because I'm going to keep climbing my mountain. I want to see them climb their mountain. And the shift in mindset I want us to have is to have a fathering and mothering attitude towards those that we lead. Don't you think about that? Like our kids, when I'm outside, when I'm outside playing basketball with them, I, I'm not going to compete against them in such a way to hold them back that they never beat me at basketball, but I am going to compete with them in such a way to make them better. We got to shift our leadership from competing with people, the people that we're supposed to lead in a way that holds them back. We want to see them get better. We want to see them improve. We want to see them to go on and do incredible things. But it's only once I become secure in my leadership that I'll begin to empower people properly. I'll resource them well. I'll give them all the information they need. I'll, I'll give them all the tools that they need to go on to do amazing things. All right, let's keep trucking. Number five, lack of imagination. Without imagination, leaders are incapable of meeting emergencies and of creating plans by which to guide followers effectively. Hmm. 
Number six, selfishness. Leaders who claim all the honor for the work of their followers are sure to be met by resentment. Really great leaders claim none of the honors. They are content to see the honors go to their followers. Man, that's true. Number seven, how you doing, all right? How you doing? This is number seven. Intemperance. Followers do not respect an intemperate leader. Moreover, intemperance in any of its various forms destroys the endurance and the vitality of all who indulge in it. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Number eight, disloyalty. You think about this, this probably should have came at the head of the list. Leaders who are not loyal to their, tr to their trust and to their associates, those above and below them cannot long maintain their leadership. Disloyalty marks people as being less than the dust of the earth and brings down on their head the contempt they deserve. Y'all, lack of loyalty is one of the major causes of failure in every single walk of life. There's got to be trust. Relationship is built on the foundation of trust. Number nine, emphasis of the authority of leadership. See, efficient leaders lead by encouraging, not by trying to instill fear in the hearts of their followers. Leaders who try to impress followers with their authority come within the category of leadership through force rather than encouragement. Real leaders have no need to advertise the fact except by their conduct, their sympathy, their understanding, fairness, and a demonstration of knowledge of the job. It's it's about making things happen. Are you going to be a are you going to be a leader who makes people follow you? Are you going to be the type of leader that other people willfully follow because of who you are and what you represent. I want to tell you, it's a whole lot easier to lead like that. When you lead people based on fear, you got to do a lot of hard work. There's a lot of unnecessarily hard work. Number 10, last one, emphasis of title. Woo! Competent leaders require no title to gain the respect of their followers. I'm just going to say right here that leadership is not about titles and position. Leadership is about influence. Your title, your position. Uh, you know what? If you have a title and a position, here's the great thing is that somebody sees talent and potential within you and they invited you to the leadership table. But that invitation is an invitation to buy you some time. It's not an opportunity to use your title to get things done. It's an opportunity to gain influence or to undermine your influence. Here's where I really wanted to go with today's um, podcast. And here's our last self-assessment. And as we go through these, I just want you to, I, I just want you to think yes or no, All right? Yes or no. And this last assessment that we're looking at are, are what he calls the 30 major causes of failure. And I want you to really look at how many of these are holding you back. As I go through these 30, just simply put a why of yes this is something that robs me of moving forward. If it's not, just simply put a no. I want to set this up by reading you what he says, because he actually did some show enough, show enough studying on this stuff. This wasn't made up, but I want to read this to you. He says, life's greatest tragedy consists of men and women who earnestly try and they fail. The tragedy lies in the overwhelmingly large majority of people who fail as compared to those who succeed. He said, I found and I've had the privilege of analyzing several thousand men and women 
And he said 98% of them were classified as failures. He says there's something radically wrong with a civilization and a system of education which permits so many people to go through life as failures. He said, but I did not write this book for the purpose of moralizing on the rights and wrongs of the world. That would require a, a book 100 times the size. He says, my analysis work proved that there are 30 major reasons for failure. So I want to read these to you, and I want you to check yourself. A why of yes. This sounds like me. This is something that has been robbing me of moving forward. Or no, this is not true for me. Number one, unfavorable hereditary background. Honestly, th this is um, the way he describes this is somebody that's maybe got a mental illness. Somebody is maybe mentally challenged. And um, he talks about this is, you know, this is a real thing. It honestly holds people back who are mentally ill or mentally challenged. But there is a way around this. And that's to surround yourself with people who are gifted in the areas that you need uh, those giftings to help you move forward. Number two, lack of a well-defined purpose in life. Yeah. Hmm. Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you want to go in life? Where are you going? Like, do you have somewhere that you are intentionally heading right now in life? He says, there is no hope of success for the person who does not have a central purpose or a definite goal at which to aim. 98 out of every 100 of those who I've analyzed have no such aim. 98% of people have no direction to their life. Hmm. He says, perhaps this is, this is the major reason that people fail. Number two, lack of an ambition to aim above mediocrity. Man, come on, y'all. If you are just, hmm. we offer no hope for the person who is so indifferent as to not want to get ahead in life and who is unwilling to pay the price. There's a price that's got to be paid to extend beyond mediocrity. And it comes at a time price and it comes at a financial price. So many people want to compromise and settle for a good life. Good enough. Good enough. Why settle for good enough when great is available? Number four, insufficient education. This is a handicap that may be overcome with ease. It really is. Experience has proven that the best educated people are often those who are known as self-made or self-educated. It takes more than a university degree to make one person educated. Any person who is educated has learned to get whatever they want in life without violating the rights of other people. How about that? Education consists not so much of knowledge, but of knowledge effectively and persistently applied. People are paid not merely for what they know, but more particularly for what they do with what they know. All right. Number five, lack of self-discipline. Discipline comes through self-control. This means that you must control all negative qualities. Before you can control conditions, you must first control yourself. Self-mastery is the hardest. I already said you, you are the hardest person you will ever lead. If you do not conquer self, you, you will be conquered by self. You may see it 
you know, one and the same time, both your best friend and your greatest enemy by stepping right in the front of a mirror. And you'll see your best friend and your greatest enemy. Discipline is the ability to give yourself a command and follow through on it. It's, you know what, tomorrow morning I'm waking up at 4.30 and I'm going to go exercise. And when the alarm clock goes off, I don't hit the snooze button. I get up. That's discipline. That's an example of discipline. Whatever you, you've got to come up with. But it's much easier to come up with an excuse than it is to be disciplined. Number six, ill health. No person may enjoy outstanding success without good health. Many of the causes of ill health are subject to mastery and control. Here's the reasons Typically, all right. So, so there are some reasons that that are outside of this. But here are some of the causes of ill health: overeating foods that are not good for your health, wrong habits of thought, giving expression to negativity, focusing on the negative, wrong use of or overindulgence in sex. Sex was a gift from God that is created for a man and a woman, a wife, and a husband to enjoy. And what he's saying is, is the wrong use over the or the overindulgence in this gift will actually lead to ill health, lack of proper physical exercise, and an inadequate supply of fresh air due to improper breathing. So how you doing? So we've gone through six so far. How many do you put a yes beside? How many of you put a no beside? This is you and you deal. Nobody's over your shoulder looking to check, but you do need to become aware of the blind spots in your own life. Here's number seven. Unfavorable environment influence during childhood. So most people who have criminal tendencies acquire them as a result of bad environment and improper associations during childhood. You know what? You can't control what happened to you or the environment you were grown up in, you're not responsible for that, but you are now responsible for moving forward. You can't control the things in the past. You can't control the environment you were brought up in, but you are now responsible for moving forward. You can choose to break out of that or you can choose to stay in that vein. Number eight, mm, procrastination. Ooh-wee. This is one of the most common causes of failure. Oh man, procrastination, let's go. Stands within the shadow of all people awaiting the opportunity to spoil their chances of success. Most of us go through life as failures because we are waiting for the time to be right, to start doing something worthwhile. Do not wait, my friends. The time will never be just right. Start where you stand. Work with whatever tools you may have at your command and you know what happens? Better tools will be found as you go along. People want to wait till they get the right resources until they get the money. And they say, you, uh, you know, if I just knew the right people, if I had the right tools, if I had the money, what I want you to know is it's only once you get going that you find the right people, that you find the tools, that you find the money. You got to start with where you're at. Number nine, lack of persistence. Most of us are good starters, but poor finishers. Yeah, I'm going to have to put a Y beside this one. I, I like to start things, but finishing things has been a challenge. It's something I have to be very, very intentional about. Moreover, people are prone to give up at the first sign of defeat. There is no substitute for persistence. 
the persistent person discovers that old man failure finally becomes tired and goes away. Failure cannot cope with persistence. Nobody ever quit their way to success, y'all. Number 10, negative personality. You know what? There's no hope of success for the person who repels people through a negative personality. Success comes through the application of power and power is attained through the cooperative efforts of other people. A negative personality will not induce cooperation. I already said it, but people will not go along if they cannot get along with you. Number 11, <clears throat> lack of controlled sexual urge. Sex energy is the most powerful of all the stimuli that move people to action because it is the most powerful of the emotions. It must be controlled through transmutation and converted into other channels. Later on in the book, he does an entire chapter on uh, sex transmutation. What he talks about is, you know, through scientific research that sex energy is one of the greatest or the strongest and most powerful stimuli that moves people to action. I don't know about you, but whenever that that energy hits you, you can get awful creative or, or good creative, whatever. But you can get highly creative. What he's saying here is people who do not know how to control that, it moves them in the wrong direction. And in the chapter on sex transmutation, he says, taking that energy and transmuting it into another form. If you can take that energy and transmute it, into your ability to get creative towards plans and goals and, and dreaming about where you want to go in life. He says you can actually conquer that. Number 12, uncontrolled desire for something for nothing. Yeah, that, come on. The gambling instinct drives millions of people to failure. Evidence of this may be found in a study of the dot-com fiasco of the early 2000s, during which millions of people tried to make money by investing in the fly-by-night companies. Number 13, lack of a well-defined power of decision. I've already talked about this, but uh, successful people have habits around making decisions, and so do unsuccessful people. He says, indecision and procrastination, hey, you know what? They are twins. Where you find one, you're probably going to find the other. Kill off this pair before they completely tie you to the treadmill of failure. Mm. 14, one or more of the six basic fears. One or more of the six basic fears that hold you back. So giving in to one of these fears, and here are the fears, the fear of poverty, the fear of criticism, the fear of ill health, the fear of loss of love of someone, the fear of old age, and the fear of death. If you fear any of those six that will hold you back. <clears throat> 15, and hey, we're halfway there. <laughs> Wrong selection of a mate in marriage. Um, he says this is a most common cause of failure. The relationship of marriage brings people intimately into contact unless the relationship is harmonious. Failure is likely to follow. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts on his stuff there, but we'll save that for another day. 16, overcaution. The person who takes no chances generally has to take whatever is left when others has finished choosing. Whoa. Overcaution is as bad as undercaution. Both extremes are to be guarded against. Life itself is filled with the element of chance. Hey, there's a chance. 17, wrong selection of associates in business. This is one of the most common causes of failure in business. So who do you want to do business 
with choosing the wrong ones. And when you're looking for that, you want to look for a values match. And so I'm looking for a vision and a values match. Somebody who's going in the direction that I'm going, but also who has the same foundation that I have, values and vision. Number 18, superstition and prejudice. Superstition is a form of fear. It is also a sign of ignorance. People who succeed keep open minds and are afraid of not a thing. Number 19, wrong selection of a vocation. You, you just can't, you simply cannot succeed in a line of work that you don't like. It just ain't going to happen. The most essential step in marketing your services is selecting an occupation in which you can throw your whole heart into. You, anybody who's listened to this before, you've heard my, my quote uh, that I quote a lot. Until one is committed, there's hesitancy, a chance to draw back. You got to be committed. Your dream, it wants all of you. It don't, it, it don't want part of you. It wants all of you. And what he's saying here is if, you've, if you're not all in, you need to get all out and find something that you can get all into. Number 20, lack of concentration of effort. Man, this is a good one here too. The jack of all trades is seldom good at any. Concentrate all your efforts on one definite chief aim. Hmm, that is good. I call it SOS, shiny object syndrome, going from one idea to the next. Ooh, that looks good. Oh, squirrel. Oh, let me try that. Oh, new idea. Let me try that. It says lack of concentration, focus, focus, y'all. 21, the habit of indiscriminate spending. Spendthrifts cannot succeed, mainly because they stand eternally in the fear of poverty. Form the habit of systematic saving by putting aside a definite percentage of your income. Money in the bank gives you a very safe foundation of courage. Here we go. How are you doing on spending? What's your spending like? Number 22, lack of enthusiasm. Without enthusiasm, one cannot be convincing. I mean, yeah, no fuddy-duddies, right? <laughs> Moreover, enthusiasm is contagious. You are contagious. Like, you want to be sitting, like when people come into your presence, they should be, they should leave with something deposited into them. You are contagious. You are contagious. And people are not going to catch something from people who are fuddy-duddies, who are just like, blah, going through life. People don't want to catch anything from that. Number 23, intolerance. The person with a closed mind on any subject seldom gets ahead. Mm. Intolerance means that one has stopped acquiring knowledge. But you listen to this, the most damaging forms of intolerance, that means people who are closed-minded, are those connected with religious, racial, and political differences of opinion. I'll let that sit there. 24, intemperance. The most damaging forms of intemperance are connected with overeating, drinking too much alcohol, and sexual activities. Overindulgent in any of these is fatal to success. Almost there, y'all. 25, inability to cooperate with others. More people lose their positions and their big opportunities in life because of this fault than all other reasons combined. It is a fault which no well-informed business executive or leader will tolerate. You got to get along with people. I don't know how many times you said that one in this one. <laughs> Possession of power not acquired through self-effort is number 26. This means uh, you, you're trying to get quick rich schemes that has just been handed to you. You don't know what it's like to work for it. 
Number 27, intentional dishonesty. There is no substitute for honesty. One may be temporarily dishonest by force, but there is no hope for the person who is dishonest by choice. Sooner or later, your deeds, they go catch up with you and they will pay. You will have to pay by loss of reputation or even loss of liberty and freedom. 28, egotism and vanity. These qualities serve as red lights that warn others to keep away. They are fatal to success. If you are egotistical, if you are vain, people can see that. If you are conceited and if it's all about you, people can smell a phony a mile away. You can, right? I can. People can tell if you truly care about other people or if you're just using people to get what you want. People can tell it. You need to check your heart on that one. Number 29, guessing instead of thinking. Most people are too indifferent or lazy to acquire facts with which to think accurately. They prefer to act on opinions created by guesswork or snap judgment. Do you like to do your homework is what it's asking here. Do you like to think? Number 30, lack of capital. This is a common cause of failure among those who start out in business for the first time without sufficient reserve of capital to absorb the shock of their mistakes and to carry them over until they have established a reputation. So how did you do? As you read, as I read through those, how many did you say yes to? As you look at those that you said yes to, which one would you say is the number one cause for you? Which one of those robs you the most of moving forward? And then what are you going to do about it? Again, no blame, no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. It's, hey, now I'm aware of this. What am I going to do about it? Hey, I hope today has added value to you. Make sure you like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with the latest episodes of the Corey Lee Show. And hey, I would love it if you could comment. Uh, I'd love to hear your comments. I'd love to hear what you're, what you're taking away, what your one key takeaway is. I would love it if you would help me to get this message out. You can share it with a friend or a family member. And so, hey, appreciate you guys. I hope you have an awesome, awesome day and God bless.